Welcome to the Neurodiverse Love Podcast. I'm Mona and I was married for 30 years in that relationship for 32 and we didn't find out that we were a neurodiverse couple until our 29th year of marriage. And I've been divorced about five years and we have an amazing adult daughter who's thriving and doing fantastic. In today's episode, I am going to talk a little bit about what it might feel like to make the decision to separate or divorce when you are in a neurodiverse relationship. And I also want to talk about some of the real feelings and thoughts that we may have as we move forward on making that decision. And I hope that this episode will normalize some of the things that some of you may be feeling. And this episode is more focused on the neurotypical or non-autistic partner, but it may be helpful for the autistic partners to listen in and hear some of the things that I experienced or that others who I have met in the last few, few years may have also been experiencing. So I think one of the biggest issues that I hear people discussing when this comes up is that there are a lot of losses that are real for both partners and that accepting that the relationship the partners thought they were going to have entering into a committed romantic relationship may not be the relationship they end up having when they understand that they are very wired they are wired very differently and so i want to talk about some of the losses that may be real for the neurotypical non-autistic partner since that's how i identify and these were some of my experiences so when i first decided to separate from my ex-husband we didn't know we were a neurodiverse couple yet that was in early 2016 it's actually seven years ago, almost to the date. And uh, I just knew that there were things that were happening in our relationship over and over again that I couldn't accept. And I asked myself several times, if nothing changes in your marriage, how are you going to feel three to five years from now? And I knew I would not be healthy physically or emotionally or spiritually and that I had to make a change. So when we separated in February of 2016, um, I knew it was absolutely the right decision to make. I knew that uh, there were a lot of things going on. My ex-husband was very, very, very negative about just about everything, um, whether it was you know work or home life or just the world in general. And the negativity was very, very difficult for me to handle. And I, I now know that the negativity was probably because of stress and what have you. Stress from my emotional needs, stress from work, stress from other demands, what have you. But it was very, very, very difficult for me. The other thing was emotional reciprocity. And I felt like um, the only place where I was getting that at the level that I wanted and needed it was in our sex life. And I've talked about that before. That was one area of our life that did not change or one area of our relationship that did not change. And, uh, but I wasn't getting it in, in 
really any other area. I often felt like my ex-husband was uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and I mentioned that to him several times. And again, now I understand why. And then the other thing was um, socializing. So for many years in the beginning of our relationship, uh, we would go on trips with each other. And then when we had our daughter, we would go on trips to see family and what have you. And I don't know if my ex-husband wanted to go on those trips or he just went because I was asking. I don't know. We've never had that discussion. But he stopped going on trips. Um, He said he didn't want to go. And I started traveling with my best friend from high school. And we had a wonderful time and it was terrific. And we traveled together, I don't know, I want to say for five years. And what started to happen was that I'd go on these trips, we'd have a phenomenal time and I'd get home and I'd ask my ex-husband, who was my husband at the time, if he missed me and he would say either no or he would say, yeah, you know, like I didn't really think he missed me and I don't think he missed me. I think he really enjoyed having the time alone and I began to see that this is what he preferred to have a lot of blocks of time where he could just do what he wanted to do, be alone, sleep in, whatever. And I wanted to travel, I wanted to experience life, and I wanted to do all these fun things. And especially as our daughter was getting older, I really knew that when she went to college, I was going to want those things. So those were big losses. The other loss was um, decision making. It seemed like decisions took forever for my ex to make and change was really really difficult for him and again all this happened before we knew we were in a diverse couple and I realized that those were things that I wanted to have in a relationship as I moved forward because at the time we were in I guess our late 40s early 50s because I'm 59 now and so the other thing that I think happened um, for me is I began to wonder if I could forgive all the hurts that had been caused and were being caused because of unknown neurodiversity and other, you know, mental health issues. I was dealing with depression and anxiety and didn't realize how bad it was. And I also know I have ADHD traits a lot. So I was trying to forgive and I don't know if my ex was at the time. I think the fact that he was alone and had more time to do things on his own, I think the things that I had done in our marriage and in our relationship um, were being, I was going to say catastrophized, but I don't know if that's the right word, but they were, I think they were being viewed by him in a more negative light. And so what happened was um, he was becoming harsher with me during the separation and he became a person that I didn't even recognize anymore. And I think what was happening is he was unmasking. So I think that's a really important issue for folks to think about. And it's not a positive or a negative. It's just something to think about when you didn't know you were a neurodiverse couple, the autistic partner may have been masking. And there's a bazillion reasons why that may have happened. And you'd have to talk to your autistic partner, your partner about that, because everybody has their own reason for masking. And I think non-autistic and neurotypical 
folks masks mask too but it's probably for different reasons I don't know so I think the masking or the mask may start to come off once the autistic partner is aware of their autism and so the person that you committed to either in marriage or as a partner in a relationship may change and those changes may be for the better or they may not be for the better and so you literally are in I think a new relationship and you have to learn each other again and one or both partners may not be willing to do the work the other thing is there is hurt that was caused by both partners absolutely I mean I am a hundred percent guilty of flooding my partner screaming uh, doing things that I didn't know were causing stress and anxiety like asking for decisions to be made on the spot changing you know where we lived and you know different trips we were going to take wanting to do things kind of more spontaneously again lots of hurt that I caused and there was a lot of hurt that my ex-husband caused so it's really important to forgive but forgiveness is just one piece of the healing and the repair if you don't take the time to figure out how you need to heal from all the unintentional hurts and then actually go through the repair process for the things that are priorities for you to repair as a couple I think it would be very very difficult um, to stay in the relationship and not have a lot of resentment and anger and you know continued hurt that will be triggered again and again and there may be trauma too so uh, forgiveness is important healing is important repair is important but all of those things may not happen right and even if they do happen you still may not want to stay in the relationship so here's another issue that continually comes up and I think it's really important for uh, you to think about and to maybe acknowledge within yourself and that is that you can accept that you're in a neurodiverse relationship you can understand why you've had all this unintentional hurt because you didn't understand that your brains were wired so differently but acceptance and understanding can sometimes feel like settling and none of us want to just settle or I would say probably a lot of us don't want to just settle some people are okay with just settling some people are just okay with you know um, a mediocre life or a life that is very plain and simple and that's okay if that works for you then fantastic but if you are clear and this is really really important I think and this is where I was when I decided to finally se separate and then finally divorce um, if you are clear about your needs your wants your core values your non-negotiables your dreams and kind of um, what you want your life to be like as you move forward 
as well as your boundaries. If you're clear about all those things and you want to have a discussion with your partner about those, and I think both partners need to get clear about all those things, and you realize that you're on two completely different pages regarding most or all of those areas, then you really have an opportunity, both of you, to determine if this is the right relationship for you. And, you know, for some people, living in the same house as roommates, sharing meals, sharing chores, watching TV together is going to be just fine. And some people, they can't imagine a life like that. So again, think about all those things that you need, you want, your dreams, your non-negotiables, your boundaries, the things that you know are critically important in a relationship and determine, hopefully in conversation with your partner, if those are things that can become a reality in the future working together or if not, if this is the right relationship for you. And then I think the kind of next step, um, and this is not, none of this is linear, because <laughs> I will tell you, I went all over the place before I decided that I wanted a separation that took over two years to make that decision. And then the divorce, we were separated for two and a half years, but we didn't find out we were a neurodiverse couple until about nine months before we divorced. But what I realized kept happening over and over again, because my ex-husband had never lived on his own before we separated, you know, he found his groove. He loved, you know, having his freedom, living on his own, not having to talk to anybody in the morning when he got home from work, you know, going out only when he wanted to, whatever. He he created a really nice groove for himself. And I knew if we were going to stay married, I wanted to live under the same roof. So he kept telling me he loved me, he loved me, he loved me. And I'm sure many of you may hear this in your relationship. And he's like, I want to stay married. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to figure it out. And I gave him a bunch of options, none of which he um, was comfortable with. And that that's fine. And so there comes a point where you realize you're literally on two different pages. You may be on two different planets. And you may still love each other very much because the day my ex-husband and I sat outside the courthouse before we went in to file our divorce papers together. We sat talking for over an hour and we talked about how much we still loved each other very much. I think not only did we love each other, we were still in love with each other. And I knew a hundred percent that we needed to divorce. And I've talked about the reasons why on other episodes of the podcast. But one thing he asked me, and I thought it was interesting, is he said, if you had known when we separated two and a half years ago that this was how it was going to end, that we would be divorcing or filing for divorce today, would you have done it? And I looked at him and I said, absolutely. And it goes to what I said at the beginning of the episode, I knew that if I did not change something in my marriage, that I was not going to be physically or mentally or spiritually healthy. So I had to be the change that I wanted. And that was separation. 
did I want a divorce? No. I wanted us to both work on our own issues and then work together to figure out how we could transform our marriage. That didn't happen. And, you know, I have healed and understand why that didn't happen. But, you know, did I want a divorce when we separated? No. But did I know that divorce was the absolute right answer? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I knew that on the day that we were in front of the courthouse filing for divorce. So here's the last thing that I want to say. And for those of you that are thinking about separating or divorce, Number one, if you're thinking about separating, I think it's really important to have a timeline and to both agree in writing with what that's going to look like. We're going to separate for three months. We're going to separate for six months. We're going to separate for a year. These are the things that I'd like us to, you know, both partners, these are the things that I'd like us to be able to do, to date each other, to be able to date other people, to... Um, you know, get together once a week and have a meal together. If you have children, you know, bringing that into it. So if you're going to separate, being very clear about what are some of the boundaries and the agreements that you have when you're separated. And then are you going to engage in therapy, individual couples therapy? And as I always say, if you're going to be going for couples therapy, make sure that it's a couples therapist who understands neurodiversity and has expertise in working with couples who are neurodiverse and you can go to the neurodiverse love website and under the resources page I have a list of quite a few therapists and coaches who've been on the podcast and have expertise in this area so um, if you're contemplating divorce I think one of the things that I am thankful for is that when my ex and I divorced uh, as much as in the moment I didn't want it but knew it was the right thing to do and I know that may be hard to understand but I trusted my intuition and I trusted my gut you know through my entire marriage Um, and intuitively I knew it was the right thing to do and love was not enough for sure so I wanted to have a peaceful divorce. You know, I wanted us to be friends. I wanted us to be able to be in each other's lives because we had an adult daughter together. We still had extended family that we were, you know, close to for 32 years. And I wanted us to be able to maintain, you know, those relationships. Um, That was important to me. I don't know how important it was to my ex. And so when we divorced... Um, I think we both were in the beginning of understanding each other more because again it had only been nine months since we found out um, that we were a neurodiverse couple but I think that we both had to go through a healing process and the healing process would allow me I can only speak to myself I can't speak to him um, to I think forgive all the unintentional hurt and pain and I've talked about this the hurt and the pain on other episodes and I know you know my ex has his probably list of things that I did that hurt him and caused him pain I had to forgive Um, and that took a long time probably years and then I also had to heal 
And that took a long time too. And I think the Neurodiverse Love podcast has been part of that. Um, but I am healed. And I also think that I had to do some repair. And I don't know that my ex has ever wanted to really do the repair with me. So the repair for me and the closure was done with friends, with family who knew him or know him, and with therapists. And I think the repair might or might not be done with your partner, but I think it's important to do all of those things, the forgiveness, the healing, and the repair, to be able to move on in life and into other relationships if you want that. So I do think that a peaceful separation or divorce is possible. I do think that both partners or all partners, if it's more than two people in the relationship, can heal. I do believe it is absolutely not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen quickly. It may take some folks months. It may take some folks years. And some folks might never fully get there. And that's okay. It's absolutely okay. Whatever your path and your journey is, is going to be unique to you. But I want to I wanna end this episode by saying there are supports out there. And I have a support group that I offer for the neurotypical, non-autistic partners. I do two a month. They're free. And you can uh, reach out to me through Instagram or my email, which is neurodiverselove for you at gmail.com. And that's the number four in the letter U. I offer two free support groups, and I've been doing that for over two years. And the reason that I do offer them for free is because I think it's so important as you're learning about um, being a neurodiverse couple and you've experienced unknown neurodiversity in your relationship, that it's important to have people that you can talk to who really understand. Because I don't think that most folks will truly understand what you're experiencing experiencing and what you're going through if they themselves have not experienced being in a neurodiverse or mixed neurotype relationship. The other thing is that I think it may be really important if you are considering staying in the relationship that you have a third party that can help you navigate what lies ahead and uh, I, I, like I said, I have a list of therapists and coaches on my website. And then another thing that I offer is support groups for neurodiverse couples. And those are um, not free. And again, you can reach out to me at my email or on Instagram and let me know that you're interested in those and I'll give you the price for those. Right now they're $199, but depending on when you're listening to this, it may go up. We meet for four weeks. We meet every week for 90 minutes. Sometimes it goes longer. Sometimes it's gone to two hours. And I limit the number of couples in there to eight. So we usually have between five and eight couples. And what's great about the couple support groups is you have an opportunity 
to meet other neurodiverse couples who you would never meet and you may have never ever met a neurodiverse couple before and it's just so enlightening and and empowering and uh, validating to hear that other couples are going through some of the exact same things that you are and I've had couples who are separated join the support group I have had couples who are literally on the verge of divorce join the support group and then I've had couples who are recently um, married who've joined the support group recently in a committed relationship and others who've been together for 20 30 years who've joined the support group so it runs the gamut and if you're considering separation or divorce what might happen if you come to the support group is that you increase understanding of each other you accept how your brains are wired so differently and it can help with having a peaceful separation or divorce because you realize that while you may have been compatible in the beginning of your relationship and maybe at various times throughout your relationship you now understand that you have different needs you have different wants you have different core values and you're just not a good fit anymore and it's okay and you can end on a note that allows you both to be comfortable with the direction your life is headed in and hopefully you can be friends or friendly as you move forward. So I hope that this episode has been helpful to those of you that are either contemplating separation or divorce or are in the process of it. I also want to say that you know this is not easy. I mean I've been divorced almost five years and it's been um, seven years this month since we separated and there are still days that I will cry there are still days that I'll have memories that are good or bad that make me emotional but the difference between Mona today and Mona three years ago or five years ago is that when I do feel triggered or emotional it lasts for 30 seconds maybe a minute or two and then it's gone and I go on with my day whereas before I went through the repair the healing and all of that process that emotion and those triggers could be repeated over and over and over again in my nervous system and I was so dysregulated that it was hard for me to function so I hope again that some of this has been helpful to all of you and I hope that you find the path forward that works best for you and that at some point in the future you'll be at a place that is peaceful and hopefully you'll have joy and happiness in your life whether you stay with your partner or you don't. Thank you all.